just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. Twenty years or so ago, I played this guy Emery Tate in chess, and his son. After Emery sadly passed away, his son Andrew and I started corresponding. This was many years ago, before Andrew Tate became bigger than Donald Trump in terms of number of Google searches on him per day. Andrew and I would write back and forth because I was very impressed with his dad. I wrote an article as a tribute, even to his his father after he passed away. And in the past year, I've seen Andrew basically explode on social media and then get banned all over social media. I saw his whole life go up and then down, up and down and so on. And so I wanted to figure out what happened. I heard people saying, that he, oh, he says this, he says this, he says this. Everybody was saying different things. So I wanted to find out what does Andrew Tate really say and why does he say it? You can listen to that right now. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. So, Andrew, first off, I couldn't believe uh, like a few months ago, I look on like Twitter or TikTok or wherever, and you're trending everywhere. 
we've been corresponding for about seven years, right? Around 2015. Something like that, yeah. And you were like in between, I feel, being world kickboxing champion and then the next thing. Yeah. And then like in the past, you know, year, you've like become bigger than they were bigger than Donald Trump. Like you're the biggest thing in the world. Like, how did this happen? What were you what were you doing in 2015? I mean, you were getting over the when we first started corresponding, you were getting over the loss of your father. Yeah, it's it's kind of been a crazy ride, bro. It's been a crazy ride. At one point, I was the most Googled man in the world. So um you still might be, actually. I might be. Yeah, I'm still I'm still up there. I'm still pretty big. I uh kind of ended up in embroiled in a battle against the matrix. I, I ended up a free speech advocate and a bunch of other things. And I think it was uh a backlash or retaliation to woke culture and a lot of the crazy rules they're making for people to live under nowadays. And I, I kind of spoke the truth and that coupled with a, a lifestyle, which was aspirational for many young men, I just kind of exploded. I think a lot of the time people were listening to either half of what you said and not the other half, or they were listening to people who had listened to people who had listened to people who hadn't actually ever listened to you. Yeah, it's 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 certainly, I mean, obviously I said a bunch of controversial things. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't, but there was certainly an element of internet sensationalism involved and people have ADHD. Even I'll admit it. I, I can't focus on anything, right? You don't, you hear a clip of something and you come to all your conclusions after 10 seconds and you're uninterested in the long format because we're all busy and we're all distracted and that's just how it goes. And if the media machine decides to paint you in a certain light, with a few clips, it's very easy to do because nobody's interested in their research. And I managed to upset the media machine. I managed to upset them with, in a few different ways. I said some things I found controversial. I was also extremely anti-COVID and anti the vaccine and anti-lockdown. And even now, a lot of my opinions, it's kind of crazy, James, because my opinions end up to be, I don't want controversial opinions. I don't try and make them controversial. It's just what I believe. And it always ends up being the opposite of what the matrix wants me to believe. It's, it's strange. I think there's two issues. One is, should you be able to say just what your opinion is? And then the, the second one is, are there opinions that are so extreme they should be banned? And my, my personal answer to that, and I think yours is as well, is no, people should be able look, the Ayatollah of Iran will say the only good Jew is a dead Jew, and he stays on, you know, Twitter. And everybody it's else... It's too slippery a slope. It's too slippery a slope when someone can come along and decide which opinions are dangerous and which ones aren't. It's too slippery a slope because it'll end up just being used in a corrupt manner and they'll delete an entire side of an argument and they'll control the world. This is what I say all the time when I talk about the Matrix and I, and people say, well, why do you call it that? And I say they're, they're projecting a false reality onto humans. When you delete an entire side of an argument and only leave one side, then you're projecting a false reality. And it's kind of amazing to me that nobody else sees this. Like we can talk about a whole bunch of things, but COVID was an amazing example of it. The fact that that went on for so many years and everyone was so deathly afraid and then Putin cured it the day he invaded and then it all ended and nobody's sitting around going, wait, the disease is still out there just like before and nobody gives a shit anymore. No one has enough brain to sit there and go, ah, I was tricked the entire time. And people have just moved on to the next distraction. The circus continues and... People are living in an absolute false reality. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the fact that hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of businesses have shut down. Many people have died from depression, suicide, all these other things. And now yep. the CDC is coming out and saying, oh, well, maybe social distancing wasn't really the cure we thought it was and blah, blah, blah. And I agree. And you would try to interpret these things for people and then they would assume, well, that means you're a fascist. If you believe in X, 
it must mean you believe in 20 other things because we only have one menu we're allowed to you know order off of. And, well, and it, you nailed it. And you nailed it with that because that's the buzzwords, right? So they pretended they deleted me because of misogyny, which is bullshit. That's not why they deleted me. They deleted me because I had mass influence and I was speaking against the, the slave programming. But when they accused me of being misogynistic, they also throw in a bunch of other buzzwords. He's a misogynistic, uh, homophobic, racist. And like, they go together in like a package. I mean, you met my father. How am I racist? <laughs> it doesn't well, even make that's sense. That's ridiculous. I saw a TV clip with you where somebody said, well, why am I listening to this like white man? And you were like, pull up a picture of my dad. And yeah. you're, yeah. But I, I wanted to, to mention, I, I met your dad. He was a great person. He, uh, uh, I played him. It was almost, uh, he, playing your dad actually was a draw. And I remember it was the most insane game I had ever played. Your dad was insane. <laughs> and, and I was actually, a few weeks ago, I was actually complimented some, high-level player said, oh, your play reminds me of Emery Tate's. And that was a huge compliment because your dad was legit insane on the chessboard. And I know, man. And I, I, I wish I need to ask you, James, I, I, cause I, I am not as good as him. Like, and I can't, I, I think I know why I can't get better. And that's because I struggle to like, I play blitz. Yeah. I just blitz three minute games and I probably do it for half an hour to 45 minutes every single day. And my rating has stayed the same for years because I don't study. I don't sit and analyze. I don't learn like I'm supposed to. I'm just busy blitzing away, winning and losing. I'm stuck at around 1800 ELO and I can't get any Which better. Which is good. That's it's good. not that bad, but it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't Tate level. You know, my dad was a monster and I'm like, how do I get that good? And then I realized I have to really focus and it's, yeah. it's hard. Like even me. I, I suffer all the things I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I don't believe in complaining, but all the things I'm mentioning about how the new world happens so quickly and moves so fast. I'm, I'm a victim of it. You look at someone on TikTok, right? Which is, the, which is the app that I conquered the most. I own the algorithm on TikTok head to toe. But if you watch somebody on TikTok, how long do they give a video before they get bored and decide to move on? 15 seconds, sorry, no, 1.5 seconds. Yeah, three. Maybe yeah, that. I was going to say less than five seconds because, and then they know, then TikTok knows if this is a good video or not. And then they yeah, start so, spreading it to everyone else. Exactly. So the algo is extremely clever, but people get bored so quickly. You watch them on TikTok, they're just like, no, no, no. And even I'm a, even I'm a, I suffer from that generation. Like I'll sit down and go, you know, what? I'm going to play a half an hour game of chess and I'm actually going to sit here and not blunder a piece like a dickhead. And I'll sit there, and after seven minutes of thinking, I'm like, oh, come on now. All right, I'll back to work. I, 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 I can't focus anymore. It's kind of like, and I'm a massively successful individual, but even I understand that the way the world now works and how scattergun things are, it's kind of, it, I think the reason I can't get better at chess, at least, is I can't sit there and just purely focus on one thing. It's like the world's happening so quickly now. It's hard to explain. Well, you know, it's very interesting because there's, there's definitely... I see a relationship between your, you know, rise on TikTok and your statements and even your, your, what you just said about how we're living in the matrix and how your dad viewed the chessboard, because you always want to look at what is society or what is the chessboard telling me I shouldn't do. And then you yeah. look to see, should I do this? Am I being lied to even on the chessboard and your dad, he, and I, I say this, with almost eloquence, but your dad wouldn't be lied to by the chessboard. Like he knew how to look at the things that you should, that everyone else would say, you shouldn't do that. And then yeah. he would do it. And everyone said, you're crazy. And then he would win. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like I remember going to tournaments with him as a kid and it was kind of like, 
every as soon as he walked in, everyone would be muttering his name like, "Oh, Tate's here, Tate's here, Tate's here." Like he was kind of feared because. Maybe you'd beat him if he ran out of steam, but he might just steamroll you and make you look like a jackass, right? Because, like you said, he was nuts. So he was semi-suicidal on the, on the board, and he was also it was also the chess world before computers, and I think it was more pure then, where you could be more creative. Now it's yeah. all just engines, right? So it's kind of changed the game. Yeah, he's he's he had such imagination, and I remember the 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 day the reason I got over the the master ranking was because he and I had a draw, and I but he was rated much higher than me. So a draw with him brought my ranking up and the game I was, I was winning throughout the game and then he just went bonkers and crazy and then managed to draw the game. And I said to him, that's the craziest game I've ever played. And I said, you want to go over it? And he said, no, and walked away. <laughs> like he was just <laughs> disgusted that he had, he had a draw with me. You know, it was so intense. That sounds about right. So what's your, could you mind me asking like, what's your rating? What's your ELO? So when I was playing the most in tournaments, I was about twenty-two fifty or so. Yeah, see, see, I, I, I can't crack that. I can't. You need to, you know, theory and you know, like all the book. Like I, I end up losing before the game starts because I miss some fucking move I'm supposed to play, and I, I need to learn a bunch of shit. But your dad studied too. You study different things, like, like I said though. But there is that that comparison of looking at, hey, everyone says I shouldn't say this about COVID or about men or about relationships. But you know, what if I do say it? What if I do point out what to me is my opinion and my truth? What will happen? And you've seen that what will happen, which is that your life completely changes in every possible way. And so it's what true. I'm curious it's about true. is again is 2015, you know, you probably were going through a hard time. Your dad had recently passed away. Like what changed for you around then? Yeah. So losing my dad was obviously unfortunate, but my father was a very uh it's hard to explain my dad and his personality, but he, he, he talked about dying a lot even before he had any kind of health issues. It was just something that was not like a taboo subject for him. He, he spoke about it quite often. And he, I already had my set of instructions of what I had to do, if that makes sense. And my time as a student ended and my time to become a teacher kind of began. So when he died, like I became paternal, I wanted children. I didn't really want kids before that. When he died, I kind of thought I need to yeah, speak my opinion more and teach what I know about life. And it's just, it's an unfortunate part of life, but it's the natural order of things. It's how it's supposed to go. I mean, it would be far more devastating for me to die before him. That's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, you have to accept that that's God's plan, I guess. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was certainly a difficult time. I, I, uh, I have obviously amazing memories of him. The best thing, thing I love most is talking about him like we are now because he was such an unusual person. People say, what was he like? And I'm like, I can't describe him. He was just, he was strange in every possible way, but he, he managed to pull it off somehow. So he was a very unusual character. But uh, yeah, I think if he was alive now, he'd be pretty impressed. Tell one story of him just because he was such an unusual character. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to even tell stories of him. Just being around him all the time. I remember whenever I was around him, I was kind of on on eggshells all the time because it was very easy to get on the... He, he was always... He was very... He was constantly correcting like all of the time. 
And people think that as a, like in a bad way, but I really do like to say that my father was one of the smartest people who's ever lived. And I say this, and I'm not just saying it because I'm his son. I've been around a bunch of smart people. I've been around a bunch of millionaires. I'm rich now, blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, my dad was a different level of intellect. He was just fucking strange. And it was, it was crazy how smart he was. He had a genuine photographic memory, could memorize the fucking dictionary. The guy was nuts. And uh, he, he used to say the simple things like he'd, he'd, I'd say uh, my brother would start to learn Russian because he had some Russian girlfriend and my dad obviously spoke Russian and he'd say a few words in Russian and my dad would say, why are you talking to me in Russian when you don't even speak English? And we'd be like, what do you mean we don't? What do you mean we don't speak English? And then he'd start just reciting words from the dictionary just and, for, and not just for like five minutes. I'm talking about for the next all evening, for the next from 7 p.m. till like 1 a.m. He's sitting there asking you the definitions of words that you've never heard of ever. <laughs> in your history and you're just sitting there going I don't know I don't know I don't know he's like well why don't you get a firm grasp on the English language before you sit there and try to jackass around in, London, in Russian you don't That's even know funny. English properly and and it's just who he was so you end up by by trying to impress him a little bit when you had this girlfriend and a Russian chick you end up getting told off and sat in front of a dictionary for weeks because you're a dumbass and it's just kind of how he was but um yeah he was super intelligent and it was strange to be around but uh yeah obviously I miss him tons so when that happened, when there was this loss in your life, it feels like then you got serious about business and making money. And, you know, you kind of, like you said, you went from being the student and, and, and all the kickboxing, you put that to the side for a little bit and move forward in a different direction. Yeah. It was like when my father, because I was still, I was fighting when my father was alive and I was massively successful. But when my father died, I kind of, I mean, obviously fighting was something I love and I still love to this day. I still train. I'm still dangerous. I can still do it. But uh, it was like, okay, I need to, I, I want to have sons now. I, I'm no longer learning from him. So I want someone I can teach. And I became massively motivated to become extremely rich or as rich as possible and, and to, and to, have and to continue the Tate legacy. Like it's me and Tristan are the Tate boys. We're the last ones with the name. So we we have a job to do. And if you're going to have sons, then you also need to have the finances to support them. And then you want to put yourself in a position where you can be the best possible father. And I also think a lot of the reason I talk the way I do is I feel like I have a duty to God to speak the truth because I'm in a very unique position. Not many people are in a position like me where we can say these kind of things and be canceled, canceled, by the matrix because they've tried to destroy me. They they don't just delete your social media accounts. They delete your bank accounts, your payment processing. False things come out in the paper. They destroy your voice and they lie about you. They convince the world you're dangerous. You walk the street and you have people screaming at you that you're a bad person. There's serious safety concerns. Your family start getting harassed by reporters or psychos start threatening them. Like it's a dangerous thing that happens to people when they cancel you. And I'm in a fortunate position that I can deal with that. But I put myself in this position before I started talking a lot. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't say it lit a fire underneath me because I always had fire inside of me and I was already fighting. It just changed the direction. Yeah. And so I would say you were known from the kickboxing world and you were getting bigger and bigger. And, and But when did you think that there was like a tipping point where suddenly like, oh, everybody's scrolling on TikTok to see Andrew Tate videos? Yeah, so I, I got I'm so I've been big on Twitter. I've I've gone through about 15 Twitter accounts. I'm kind of a Twitter legend now. Like most people on Twitter know me when I come back and I come back with an alias and I can I can write a few key phrases and they'll know it's me. But I've been banned on Twitter and I've been getting banned for a very long time. I started to blow up a lot during COVID because I was one of the first. In fact, I'll stand here and actually take the credit and say I was the first anti-COVID. At the beginning of COVID, everyone semi-believed. And I was the first anti-COVID on day one, day dot. I sat with Tristan, my brother, and I said, 
if this is going to kill us, two military-aged males in prime physical condition, then the whole world's done. So there's no point hiding from it. If they're gonna, if it's gonna kill us, the literally the life as we know it is over. So where's open? Well, Belarus was open and Sweden was open, and we'd just been to Belarus by coincidence. So we decided to go to Stockholm. So for the first two months of COVID, when everyone was truly afraid, we were living in Stockholm, which was wide open, no masks, no restrictions, nothing. They never shut down. Not at any point did they shut down. No masks, nothing. So when everyone's hiding in their houses, we're in Stockholm nightclubs running around. And we kind of blew up on Twitter and everyone was calling me irresponsible and all this bullshit when we were running around with all these Swedish girls. And that was the beginning of it. And that's when I started talking a lot about how governments work and how they lie to you and how the media is all a lie and how you can't believe anything you're told. And it kind of snowballed from there and I started to get some traction. And then I have a private organization called The War Room, which is kind of like a private members club, which is my, my online network. And with them, we decided to amplify the message. So we put some things in order. I can't give the secret away, but we decided to conquer the social media algorithms. It was a conscious decision and we made that decision and bam. And then I became the most Google man on the planet. So that's kind of how it worked. And it's really genius because it doesn't even matter what your account name was. Like everywhere, like you had your listeners and readers chopped up video clips and they spread it all around. So now the yeah. algorithms, they're trying to find duplicate videos of you to try to take those down. Like they can't actually ban you they can't ban me they've tried very hard to ban me on everything i'm still everywhere in fact i'm more famous now than when i was effect effectively banned right so the war room is my private network that's my own like my uh my private network which is primarily online but we meet in real world too and there's four thousand of us and we're all working together and we put this plan together and it was massively successful massively successful and i became the most googled man on the planet and then like you said they banned me but they can't ban everything and everyone and they can't ban the idea of me now. I'm at a point now where you can make a cartoon character, Andrew Tate. You can get a video game character and just give him a bald head. And if he says the right things, they know it's me. Like, you can't ban these things. Like, I'm like legend. And, you know, part of it is, is because what you're saying, so many people resonate with. And, you know, it's and they try to say, oh, it's only 12-year-old boys who don't know any better are resonating with you. But you're saying a lot of things. Like, you're saying, be motivated, work hard, don't yeah. have toxic people in your life. And sure, you're saying what type of woman you prefer to be with, but you say yep. it's just your opinion. And, you know, everyone says, oh, he's not going to be with someone five years older than him. So he's misogynistic. No, you just have your opinion on, on who you like to be with and the reasons why. And this is what I wonder, like, why do they, like you said, they make it up. They, they think they hate the reasons why you don't like something, but actually they just hate you. Yeah, they they hate me because there's there's a combination of factors. One, they're massively insanely jealous. All of my haters and detractors, I can tell, I can tell when someone makes a video on me, I can tell by the thumbnail if they're a fan or a hater just by how they look. I can just look at them and go, he's unsuccessful, he hates me. All of life's winners love me. Like I've never met a life a winner who doesn't love me. All the guys in the UFC love me. All the big podcasters I meet love me. It's only just some sad guy with a terrible life who dislikes me. And that's because I talk heavily about personal responsibility and how difficult it is to be a man and how the life you live is a life you're going to craft for yourself, whether it's good or bad. And you're responsible for everything bad that happens to you along with everything good that happens to you. And if you listen to that message and you're not happy with your life, then you have to take responsibility and they don't want to do that. They don't want to sit there and go, oh, this is all my fault. No, this isn't my fault. This is someone else's fault. He's a liar. He's a bad person. And that's why they attack me so heavily. But the reason my message resonates is because I say a very simple truth. I say that as a man, life is exceptionally difficult. And the best way to navigate it is to become exceptional yourself. If you're going to be very average at everything, 
Your life is going to is going to suck as a man. Even as a woman, if you're very average at most things, you're going to be okay. But as a man, if you don't have that one ace card you can pull out the pocket, if you haven't got that intellect or that charisma or you have nothing else, if you're just average everywhere, you have no 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 bonus points on any of your stats, then the video game is going to be very very hard to navigate. And and that's basically what I'm teaching. Yeah, and 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 look, I agree with everything you just said, but it's interesting because that's not what other people say you say. I know. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, Good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, If you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I was at my house the other day and 
One of my daughters home from school with her friends, guy friends, some girlfriends, other sons around. So a bunch of kids, not kids, but like, you know, 20 to 25 year olds around. And I said, oh, Andrew Tate's going to be on my podcast. Everybody erupts <laughs> like pros and cons, good and bad. Like people who had been friends and best friends are like arguing to the death with each other. And I'm like trying to understand. So, OK, what do you think he said? And what do you think he said? And they're arguing with each other. No, he didn't say that. But he said this. So. What do you think are the controversial things people think you have said? I don't think it's what I say. I think it's how I say it. And I do this on purpose because I understand the power of being polarizing. And I also understand the power of making people think. So instead of saying something, what I do is I take biological realities and things everybody know are true, but I say it in ways that people don't like to accept and it confuses the brain. So I will say, instead of saying men are physically stronger than women, so we should protect them which most people would accept and agree, I'll say, well, women can't fight, they're weak. And, and it's, everyone knows it's true, but most women will sit there and be triggered by it. And they'll be like, well, what do you mean we're weak? Well, you are weak. Men are strong, you're weak. Well, we're not all weak. Well, no, not all women are weak, of course. Exceptions, do, exceptions exist, but exceptions don't disprove the rule. In general, men are stronger than you and you're weak. And they end up trying to argue something that they know is true just because they're upset by the semantics of how it's said. And that's why I have these two hugely, hugely polarized camps where they say, he speaks the absolute truth. And then other people say, no, he's such a bad person. Da -da. But it's not what I'm saying. It's how I'm saying it. That, that's why what the choose key to, to it say is. it that way? Is it, it like, because I think I that's very to say, I choose. Yeah, that's a good question. I choose to say it that way because I want people to engage their brains and genuinely try and ignore the slave mind programming. What's amazing to me is that there's a whole bunch of people in the world today that have strong emotional responses to subjects, not just me, about lots of things. But they don't know truly why they have such a strong emotional response. You just talked about a bunch of people and you said my name. I completely, I can imagine the scenario because it's happened a bunch of times. But when you ask people, okay, you hate Andrew. You have a visceral, obvious emotional response to that name. Why? And they go, oh, but he said, he says bad things. What bad things? Uh, uh, well, he just says bad things. And that is the slave mind in and of itself. When you have an emotional response to something, and you can't even tell exactly why you feel that way. You have been programmed. You need to analyze yourself. I mean, let me let me ask. So, like, like one person said, "Oh, well, he thinks women should be the property of men," which I don't believe you think that. But I could see where they took clips from different things and stuff out of context and so on. So, how would you respond to that? I believe that if a man and woman gets married and she takes his last name, she belongs to his family. That's what I believe. I believe you walk down the aisle and your father gives you away and then you change your last name. You're now a member of his family. You belong to that family. You belong to that man. I say that and people think it is a, a horrible, he thinks of him as cattle. He thinks of him as property. No, I think of it the other way around. I think a man has a duty to now protect and provide for you. He, he must do, he must be the best possible version of himself to make sure that you're looked after and that your life is as good as it can possibly be. He now has a duty to you. They just take it and try and misconstrue it. And yeah, that's partially because of how I say things, but also because there's been a huge campaign of weaponized false virtue against me where people pretend they give a shit about women to just try and attack me. All these people who attack me don't donate to women's charities, don't give a shit about women's issues. They just don't like me because I'm so massively successful and they want to try and take me down. So they make up a reason to do it. They can't call me stupid. They can't call me dumb. They can't call me ugly. They can't call me poor. They can't call me weak. They can't call me none of that stuff. So they just make up some other reason. Ah, well, he once said this and we think it could mean this. So he's the devil. And it's, it's, it's absolutely asinine. But the truth is a lot of people are suffering from slave mind programming. 
if you have a strong visceral reaction to my name and you can't give exact reasons why, anything other than a BuzzFeed five-second clip you saw on some bullshit on the internet, why do you care so much? The internet's full of garbage. You care because you've been programmed to care and you've been told you're supposed to care. That's the slave mind. And the reason I talk the way I talk is so that people have to actually pay attention to my words and think they have to sit there and go, okay, what he's saying, perhaps he's saying it in a way I don't like, but what he's actually saying is true. I want people to turn their minds on. If I talk in this nandy-pandy, 50-50, sugar-coated way, nobody's going to engage their brains. And that's the world we live in now. Nobody engages their brains to the point where the entire populace of nearly every Western country is sleepwalking into fucking certain death. That, that's why I talk how I talk. So people have to stop and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, say that again? Otherwise, it's not going to. Otherwise, no one's going to think because nobody uses their brain anymore. Is there is there anything you've said where where you yourself would say, okay, maybe that was a bit too much? There's things I've said when I was far less famous that I would say differently now because I understand with huge amounts of fame comes a degree of responsibility, and when you when you have a lot less viewers. Having a small percentage of people misunderstand you doesn't matter. But when you're the most famous man in the world, a small percentage of people misunderstanding you becomes a big deal. So you have to be responsible as an adult and be a professional and understand that with massive power comes massive responsibility. But I've never said anything I don't mean. Perhaps I could have said it in a different way, but I meant every single sentiment. Like, for instance, let's say a woman listens to what you're saying about, okay, now she's in the family of this man. Let's yeah. say she also says, but I want to be the CEO of a company. I want equal opportunity. I mean, yep. I think this is where a lot of people are confused about where, where you stand. Yeah. If a woman wants to work a job and be a CEO, then she should absolutely work a job and be a CEO. I believe women are sovereign individuals who can make their own decisions. I don't think that's an important thing for a woman to do. I think a woman should be focused on having children and, ha and ha making a family. I think that's the most beautiful legacy a woman can provide. I was, in, I was at my grandmother's birthday. I think it was her 92nd birthday recently. And I saw the entire room. She had nine children, including my father, and they've all had a bunch of kids. And then I saw a room of 50 people that came from one woman. I think that's the best legacy a woman could possibly ever do. I, I don't see why they'd want to slave away for some company that doesn't really care about them and cares about the stock price and will replace them the second they, they no longer perform. But if that's what they decide to do, then I'm not going to sit there and tell them not to do it. I mean, I, I'm not sitting here saying women shouldn't work. I'm saying women should do what makes them happy. But I do also believe I'm not a woman, of course. I'm just giving my opinion. I believe that in my experiences of life, the women I've seen who are the most contented are the women who focused on having families. I've never seen a career woman without kids in her 50s drinking wine every night who's truly happy. I've never seen that. But by the way, even career men are not usually happy. Like, you know, rising up through some corporate ladder is not the funnest thing in the world either. Like, the, the goal awful. to be a CEO is not necessarily like a, a such a special uh, goal for, for men. Well, this is the thing, and this is why we talk about that women always want to talk about the underrepresentation of women on the on the board and all these high-level jobs, et cetera. And I explain the reason that is is because to get there, you have to give up your entire life. Most women are smarter or smart enough to understand that there's a life outside of work. But if you look at a CEO man, he's usually given up everything for that. He doesn't see his family. He's always in the jet. He's working his ass off. He's stressed. He's, all he does is work. He does nothing but work to get there. So if a woman wants to have any kind of life outside of her job, she can't be competitive. It's not about gender. It's about you're no longer a competitive individual because you do other things besides only slave away. And that's a good thing because slaving away just to get a corporate role, really, like you said, ain't all that. You know, it's, it's bullshit, but that's, that's the whole thing when you talk about these gender pay gaps and all this crap, but it's interesting to me because I live in Romania now, right? And the, the war in Ukraine is right next door. It escalated massively today. Putin's had enough and, and it's next door. And I was here in Romania at the border 
handing out stuff while I watch thousands and thousands of women, refugees and children flood across the border as they rightly should, but none of the men are allowed to leave. So not all the feminists want to talk about equality when it comes to the boardroom, but when there's a war, they leave the men to die in the trenches and run away. Like it's all fucking false virtue bullshit anyway. They don't want equality. They want equality. They want. They don't complain about being in the sewers, not enough women garbage truck collectors, none of that crap. They want the cushy CEO job. Well, they can get it if they if they want to give up their entire life. But I think that's a waste. I think it's better for a woman to recreate and, and reproduce and create children and have a loving family home. I think that's far more rewarding than any CEO job would ever be. See, and by the way, I agree. Again, I don't know many men satisfied with the standard quote-unquote path. But when you say like, oh, where's the equality then when the women are coming over the border and the men aren't allowed to leave? I think people hear that. And even though what you're saying is factually correct, they hear anger in that. And so they think you're, you're angry at women. Yeah. And that's a good point because I've been told this before. I've been told it's not what you say. It's that you're scary. And I said, what do you mean? They said, they said, you're, you're six foot three. You're a ex four-time kickboxing world champion. You live in Romania in a compound surrounded by armed guards with AR-15s. You're driving around a Rolls Royce with your three massive pit bulls and you're just scary. And people are afraid of what, not what you say, but it's the way you say things and who you are. And they feel you're, they feel a threat. And that's why they feel like they need to cancel you. And I understand that. I do have energy in my rhetoric. Of course, that's the delivery style. But I'm not angry at women. I just said I completely understand why women would run away. Women are useless in a war. I don't think women should be sitting in a trench. I don't think they're going to be very useful. My point was aimed at the feminists who sit there saying there's no equality in the world, blah, blah, blah. And I say, look, we look at most of the world most laws are pretty equal for men and women. And if there are any laws which are on the side of one gender, it's usually on the side of the women, like divorce courts, for example. There are very few laws in the Western civilized world that you can name that benefit men over women. And I'd like for someone can tell me one, but nobody seems to be able to. Is there any law in, the, in America that benefits men over women? I'm trying to think. Can't think the of answer any. is fucking no. The answer is there's not. There's a whole bunch of laws that benefit women over men. But there's none the other way around. And they keep talking about equality, equality, equality. Well, it's already more than equal. And, and that's the whole thing. The whole thing is garbage. They just want to just come along and talk about gender pay gap and a bunch of other crap that's been debunked a billion times. And they're mad at me for sitting here and saying, no, I'm sorry. I will not buy your slave world programming. I'm not going to buy it. I'll give you another example. Another thing I got in big trouble for. I said that um, men drive better than women. And it pissed them all off, right? And they start get saying, women are safer statistically and all this garbage and getting all these fucking studies and this shit. I've been in the car with a bunch of women and a bunch of men. And every single time I've seen some driving that nearly killed my ass, it was a chick. Every single time I've seen a person who can't park, it was a girl. I'm not going to sit here. That may offend a bunch of people, but I'm not going to sit here and not say what I, that's my experience of life. I've seen it. Right. <laughs> so I'm not saying every woman can't drive. I'm saying that if you see some real horrible attempts at parallel parking, Probably some woman. That's just the reality of the game. And and let's say and let's say here's the thing because I've seen that that argument that debate you had about about driving and it's it was almost like you know the other guy he was making this statistical point and you were saying fine it's this is just what I've seen and yeah. so and this is the question this became the question in my house is like should someone get banned for just saying what they've seen and like whether you're right or wrong it doesn't even matter in that point. Like, okay, statistically, that guy has the statistics. He's right. But you're also right if this is what you've seen and what you've experienced. And maybe in the places you've been or or the people you were with, this is what, what happens. So, again, should someone get banned for just saying what their truth is? This is what has really bothered me about your banning. Like, 
whether you're even right or wrong, and by the way, you've inspired a lot of people, but whether you're even right or wrong, like you said, why does anyone care? Yeah, and that's it. You're right. But it's because of my absolutely massive influence. And because of my massive influence, they, they decided to destroy me. And it's not because I say anything that's that bad. They're just scared of the influence I have over the most important demographic of the population. Uh, Socrates. Socrates had to poison himself and commit suicide because he was on trial. And he was on trial for corrupting the youth. And what he was basically doing is telling the young men of Greece to think for themselves and not to join pointless wars and to actually use their brains. Every single government and every single control mechanism in the world understands is that young men are the most important demographic to control. Young men are the most combat ready. You need them to die in wars if a war happens. They're backbone of the slave force. They're the ones who are going to build the roads. They're the ones who are going to go climb up and build the skyscrapers, not the feminists and not the women. And no matter how much they shriek, they might be able to do some office jobs. But they're not going to be out there building the roads and doing the sewers and all the real infrastructure. Young men are the most important demographic you have to control. And they're also the most volatile. They're the ones who are most likely to fight or be in a revolution or to sit there and say, no, I've had enough of this. So they're very, very concerned about anyone who has an influence over young men from, let's say, 16 to 30, military-age males. They want them semi-cucked, semi-scared, semi-depressed, under control so that they can be told to do what they're supposed to do. So they'll pay their taxes and build the infrastructure, but they won't stand up and say, wait, this is bullshit. I'm getting screwed left, right, and center. So when I come along and say, no, the whole system's garbage and they're lying to you, they sit and say, ah, this man has mass influence over the one demographic we want to keep the most control over, the one demographic that's genuinely a threat to us. Men like him are the reason why they're not going to fucking join the army and go die for no reason. Or men like him are the reason that they're not going to accept the sexless marriage and being divorce raped and losing their house. No, he needs to go. That's what it is. It was my influence they're afraid of. And the guy I was arguing with about the driving thing is a low IQ agent of the Matrix. He's sitting there and has completely sold his soul to the Matrix. And he wants to sit there and quote statistics at me after just living through COVID. You want to do, how could you just live through COVID and then sit there and pull out a government study and expect me to give a solitary fuck? The guy's an idiot. Particularly since these studies like, like literally these, the CDC or whoever has, or whoever has changed their opinion back and forth. They, like yeah, 10 they times. change it nonstop. So this guy is such a fool that he sat and lived through COVID with his nine injections and then he wants to pull out a government study and say that government studies are absolute solid fact. That shows he's an agent of the matrix and he's low IQ. He's not a very smart person. We had to kick him off the podcast because he was so boring to listen to. No one wanted to fucking hear the dude. But this is, and this is it. And this goes back to your original argument about banning people. Who decides what truth is? Well, if you control information, you control what, what people get to see, then you get to decide what truth is, right? And they can affect everything in real time. It's no coincidence. I'm telling you right now, they have tried very hard to demasculinize men because they understand that they don't do that. If every man's like me, there's going to be a revolution. They don't want that. So they try and demasculinize us. How do they do that? They do it in a million subtle ways. But sitting there telling full-grown men, women drive better than you. When every man out there knows that's not true, sit in a car with a chick. It's all reactive and panic mode and fucking nearly crashing and dumb shit. Everybody knows it, but you're not allowed to say it. And they're going to sit there and convince you that statistics say that they're better than you for some reason. And they're going to try and give you the slave mind programming. They want you to ignore your own eyes and ignore your own life experiences and just accept what they tell you regardless. It's 1984. You ignore your own eyes. You ignore your own ears. You believe what the party tells you. And by telling you, by putting on a Netflix show, some hundred, some 85-pound woman beating up 10 big men, or by every single sitcom, the dad's the idiot and the mom's the smart one, watch a sitcom. The mother is going to be the balanced smart one, and the dad's going to be a bumbling idiot who wants beer. 
and name any show. It's the same shit. T- every man's a dumbass, and women are better than men, on, and, and all across the matrix. And they're just doing that on purpose so that you sit there and you second guess and you question yourself. I refuse to accept the slave mind. And and this is an important thing. Like like you say, this is an an important demographic, and it's a demographic that has a five to one ratio of committing suicide. Like young men commit suicide five to one over young women. And you know they'll talk about all the different other epidemics in the world, but hardly anyone even knows that that's the ratio of suicides of of men over women. And it's really sad. I've known people who've, who've killed themselves, and it, it's a horrible thing. So to uh, for people, for young boys and men to understand why this is happening is important, no matter how it's presented. I think. No, it's completely true. And you just mentioned something that's that's very, very important, which is the men's mental health crisis. And the reason that exists, I think, is because men are being told to sign up to a life that they don't want. Men always, men, like I said, there's a rebel inside of every man and men have a desire, an innate desire for adventure and for conquest to a degree. And they're told to sign up to this cucked life where you just go to school, go to university, sit there, don't say what you really think, accept the slave programming, get a marriage, which is sexless and boring, sit there, corporate job, pay your taxes, kids don't respect you. And it's just fucking depressing. If I lived most of those lives, I'd be depressed. And 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 the men's mental health crisis is something I've been helping specifically. I've had thousands of emails from people saying that I've helped with their mental health. And I've been sitting there just basically saying, look, you're not going to feel good as a man unless you're conquering something, unless you develop some degree of exceptionalism, unless you can look in the mirror and be proud of yourself. Every single man is born with an ego, which you need to find a way to justify. If you have an ego that you can't justify, you're going to feel unhappy. And I've been helping people and I've had thousands of emails saying exactly that, but they delete me. They don't give a shit. They don't give a fuck about the men's mental health crisis. They don't care. They want us to pay the taxes and build the roads and shut the fuck up when a woman tells us tells us something and to sit there afraid. And and they and because I stick up for men, the world is now convinced that I hate women for some reason. I don't hate women. I just believe that men have a voice too. I don't, I don't, why would I hate women? I, I love women. My house right now is full of beautiful women. I have nothing against women. I I just think that men have a voice and we're allowed to talk. That's all. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation. So you've been banned from all these different platforms. Stripe has stopped processing payments for your your business. Like, what's what's going on in your life right now? How are you? I, I you know, at the, the the few times I've sparked public controversy, sometimes it's pretty painful. Yeah, I mean, not like I said, not many people are mentally prepared for the backlash. I know that I have quite an iron mind and a very unique setup. But if you're a normal person and you're facing the kind of backlash I faced, it's genuinely going to be distressing because your real life is affected. Like you can't walk the street anymore 
without some psycho screaming at you. So, and that and that carries genuine safety uh, concerns. But my life is fine. I've built an entire parallel economy outside of the matrix. I don't want to give too many details on what I've done, but I'm fully functional now. My school, which was called Hustlers University, which teaches people how to make money online. My school is still functioning. It's still online, hu2.io. That's fully back online. They've tra- they tried to destroy it and they failed. Um, and that's being relaunched under a new name, The Real World, uh, which is going to come out, therealworld.ai. And we'll be teaching people how to make money online with ways outside the matrix. In terms of my personal safety, I'm a hard target. I always have been. So I've been fine from that perspective. And, and, they've, ma- and they've failed to ban me. All they've done is martyr me. All they've done is prove everything I was saying right. And I'm still all over these platforms. I've moved to Rumble now, which is a YouTube alternative, Rumble Video, which is rumble.com. And they've been massively fantastic to me. And I can now speak completely uncensored. So the banning hasn't hurt me in any way. And I think that truthfully as a professional, like you're a chess player, I'm a chess player. I think the, so, the social media companies, if they, if they had any kind of chess knowledge and they could see a few moves ahead, they would understand that they should have kept me on their platforms and they should have kept me to a degree as controlled opposition to a degree. But martyring me and moving everyone away to other platforms where I can speak uncensored is just going to be bad for them in the long run. Because when you're tyrannical, you, you can't have voices like mine telling the truth. You know, and I, I agree. And I think even from a legal point of view, like they claim to be, you know, like Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, has said Twitter is the public square. It's the t- it's the new town public square. But then you can't go back and say, well, we're a private company. We can ban everyone. If you're also saying we're the public square. And that's what, essentially what every every social media company pretends to be. Hey, we're we're for everybody. We're for billions of people. But then they say, oh, but we're a private company. We can decide which billions of people. And I think that's unfair. Yeah, it is unfair. And I think that also most of the population understand and they know that these companies are tyrannical and that they're affecting information and controlling the matrix in real time. The problem is nobody knows what the alternative is. They sit and say, okay, we know YouTube's bullshit, but there's nowhere else to go. My banning was a a change in the universe. My banning was a big event because I moved to Rumble. And for the first time in a long time, people are understanding that if you cancel someone like they canceled Tate, it doesn't stop him being famous. In fact, he's more famous than ever before. Their one weapon has failed. If you shoot a gun at somebody and the bullet bounces off, people aren't scared of bullets anymore. And now people are understanding that cancellation perhaps ain't the worst thing that can happen to them. And the pressure is already behind the dam because everyone's already fed up with their shit. You just need to put a crack in the dam and the crack in the dam is showing that you can remain relevant post-cancellation like I have. And, and the dam's going to break. It's like the four-minute mile, right? Nobody could do a four-minute mile till one guy did a four-minute mile. And then within a month, 10 guys had done a four-minute mile. It's the same thing. I'm proving that a cancellation will not make me disappear. In fact, I'm more relevant than I've ever been. I've been proved right completely. My fans are more galvanized against the Matrix and all their lies than they've ever been before. And I've proven that cancellation no longer works. So now what are you going to do? So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I just want to make it clear to the world that I'd never kill myself. And uh, continue with my message. That's good. I was going to ask, and I wanted to make sure that was your answer. Yeah, because it's, you know, but it, it becomes a genuine concern at some point. When the most powerful people in the world are trying to destroy you and you refuse to die, it starts to cross your mind. Like, what's coming next? They get you, it's kind of scary. Well, and as you said also, you want to have children. So that's an important part of what your legacy needs to be. So let's say you have a daughter, and the daughter, yeah. like, listens to somebody who listened to somebody and or see yeah. some video clip that's cut out of context. And they said, and they say, dad, you, you know, you said women, you know, shouldn't do yeah. this or they yeah. look, I can't even give like a real quote in context because there's so many quotes out of context. I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And, and, and I've been asked this question a lot and I, it's good that you asked it so I can answer it officially. 
I pride myself on being an absolute realist. If I had a daughter and she got married and her man cheated on her, I would sit to her and say, who did he cheat with? He cheated, oh, he fucked this bitch. Listen, that's your man. You love him. You ain't leaving the man you love. He's been good to you. He's looked after you. Just get over it. I, and I know nobody believes I'd say that, but that's the real world. Now, if he hit my daughter, that's a different story. If he overstepped the mark, if he didn't look after her, if he was a piece of shit and he was cheating on her different. But if she had a good man who gave her a house, provided for her, took care of her, they had a family, he was good most of the time, he went on a stag do, went on some weekend with the boys and fucked some girl. I wouldn't be like, that's my daughter. You're not allowed to do that. I'm a man. He's a man. And I have to stay a realist. I'll say, listen, my love. I was doing the same shit to your mom. That's the game. Like I have to be as realistic as possible. I refused just because I have a daughter. I'm not going to get emotional about it. I'm a what realist. If your daughter was the breadwinner in that situation though. Well then, then, then she, well, I wouldn't allow that in the first place. That is different. <laughs> right. But then I'd be like, well, then why are you fucking? Yeah. Then why you don't, don't mess with this idiot. But, and this is the thing that people misunderstand. I'm not saying that men can do whatever they want. And I'm not saying that women should accept everything from men. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in certain dynamics, in certain situations, there's enough, reparation to forgive certain transgressions. And the reason I discuss those situations, and although they don't apply to most men, because I have a lot of criticism from people saying, Kate describes a world that most men can't achieve. Fine. But I'm telling men that that's what they should aim for. All I can do is describe my scenario. So let's look at me, right? Let's decide, I'm. let's say I'm with a girl and she's in love with me. Let's say I fuck someone else and she decides she wants to leave me. Well, women don't like downgrading. Why would they? She now has to go leave a six foot three kickboxing world champion, multimillionaire flying around his private jets, driving his Bugatti, staying in six star hotels. Now she has to go and find some other guy who can replace that. Who's also smart and funny and witty and interesting and charismatic. Who's the most famous man in the world who's fighting the matrix that you, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. Like you're either going to accept that I did it and get over it, or you're going to go and accept a massive downgrade. It's like, if you buy a Lamborghini and it breaks down, you go, I've had enough of this and you sell it and buy a Toyota. Yeah, it's going to work, but you're not going to fucking smile. And that's just the reality of human relationships. And this is the point I'm making. Yeah, I can get away with a bunch of shit because I'm me. And so what do you say and to the so young men? Dudes, be me. What do you say to the young men who have been, they're already in the system. They're already kind of, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, achieving what they want out of life or they're, or they're, they're feeling repressed in some way or, yep. you know, and you've had a lot of influence on these people. And what if they say, well, I'm, I'm, it's too late for me. I can't, I can't do my best or I can't do what, what, you know, I, you know, I can't break out of the matrix. I'm, I'm stuck in it. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is that I've never seen somebody who doesn't believe in themselves achieve anything. I've never seen somebody without self-belief achieve anything ever. I've never seen somebody go, I can't do it and then do it. Never. How can they get no. self-belief though? Well, that and that and that that that's a combination of factors. The first thing is your environment. If you're if you're you, everyone understands they're the sum of the five people they spend the most time with, but they still spend most of the time with idiots. It's kind of amazing to me. If you're with five brave men all the time, you're going to be brave. If you're walking the streets with five predators and a fight goes down, you're going to feel brave because you're with brave men. It's kind of like this amazing energy that men have amongst us. It's like we can transmit to each other. It's how we all charge to the gunfire in the world wars. When one man's brave, everyone can be brave. It's kind of how it works. The first thing is your network, which is why I have the war room, my online network, which is people who live by the tenets of masculinity as a whole. This is why I advertise it all the time because the things I've created, James, genuinely are the solution to the world. I'm not just complaining about the problems. I'm fixing it all. So I have two things. I have the war room, which is a network, which is based on masculinity as a whole, mindset and networking. And the second thing I have is my school, the real world, which has been the rebranded Hustles University, which is either hu2.io or the real world.ai, where I teach people how to make money online. So first thing you need to do is get some money. 
They need to join the war room. And from there, there's a path to follow that's going to fix everything. But yeah, it's, it's a combination of things. If you have no money, it's hard to be a man because then you have to obey your boss for breadcrumbs. And if he says, wear the mask, you got to wear the mask. Like it, it's hard, right? So first you need is a degree of financial freedom. Once you have the financial freedom, you have the freedom to talk because you're not going to think things you don't say. They need to be around people who do the same kind of things. You need to build a strong network so you're galvanized against harm. Even me, when all this shit went down, I had people I could call to help me and to fix things. I need 10 security guards in Moscow. Boom. Okay, done. I need a, I need a private jet to Dubai. Boom, done. Like I, If you haven't got a network, you ain't got shit. So you need a network and you need money and you need to be around the right people. And that's why I've created the real world and, and the war room. And so if you don't have, right now, if someone's listening to this and they don't have the network, they don't have the money, what's the first steps they could take uh, to, to start moving in that direction? I understand they could join your organizations and see yep. see how these things are done. But let's say they don't even have money for that or or whatever. They need, they need to sort of get started in their head first. Yeah, I mean, the real world's only $49 a month. So most people, most people could start with that. But I understand the question. So yeah, first is the mentality is in the mindset and you have to decide this decision you're going to make. The best thing about being a man is that you get to build your character. It's very much like a video game. You start off and you get to decide which of your stats you're going to work on. Do you want to work on being a fucking chess genius? Do you want to work on being a musician? Do you want to work on being a kickboxer? Like you get to decide what you want to be. And every single man of value is built. Even yourself. Think of all the good things you can do, James. You built all that. You weren't born being good at chess. You'd learn how to be good at chess. I know you've had all these amazing companies, et cetera. Think of all that experience you've had. You've built all of it. So the best thing about being a man is that you're born as nothing and you get to build yourself into something and you get to decide what that is. A lot of people haven't truly decided what they want to be. And once you decide what you truly want to be, then you need to work towards it. I knew I wanted to be this big kickboxing millionaire living in an armed guard compound with his 10 wives, mafia boss. I knew what I wanted to be. And I made it happen. A lot of people aren't sure what they even want. So first you need to decide what you want to do and what you want to be. And then you need to start working towards it. There's no shortcuts. Life is ultra competitive, especially for men. It doesn't matter what a government does. It doesn't matter what psyop the matrix puts on the slave mind. It doesn't matter what they try and convince you of or what kind of governmental structure they put in place. It doesn't matter if it's communism. It doesn't matter if it's uh, the democracy. It doesn't matter what it is there's always going to be people who work harder than others and it's always going to be competitive and the people who work harder are always going to win. That's the game. So you're either a hardworking person who gets up and does what they're supposed to do regardless of how they feel and performs or you're not. It doesn't matter what system or what country, whatever, the hardworking ones are going to rise to the top. And that's why there's, I have a lot of people say to me, oh, I don't have motivation. If you don't have motivation to be anything other than a peon, then you deserve to be a peon and you will stay a peon. And that's God's mission for you. You are designed to work in Starbucks and serve me my coffee for the rest of your human years. Good. Stay there. Because if, if working in Starbucks like a jackass does not motivate you to get up and do something, then that's all you deserve. You shouldn't need motivation. <laughs> Your terrible life is motivation. Most of these people who pretend they haven't got motivation don't deserve, they don't deserve anything more than they've got. The people who deserve to win are going to win. I won because I knew I deserved it. And everyone around me, same story. We all come from, you met my dad. He was certainly not a rich man. We all came from fucking zero and we got there because we knew we deserved it. If you're going to sit there and go, I don't have motivation to try, that's no problem. Cut my grass. Fine by me. You know, and when you were rising up to in the kickboxing world, I mean... What you know? Describe the discipline there, the the, the work ethic there. I mean, you had you were you were basically fighting people to the death. And completely. What were you going through then? Yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely. So I learned a lot of my discipline. You're right. From fighting, I I I was a chess prodigy as a kid. I had my dad as a coach. So it was chess originally, and then it kind of moved to fighting. 
And yeah, there was a degree of fear involved. I trained so hard because I was scared of losing. I was scared of meeting my opponent on X day at X time and getting my ass kicked and looking like an idiot and possibly dying and getting brain damage. I was afraid and I used that fear to train as hard as possible. And you can apply that to life as a whole. You need to use the fear of being mediocre and use it to make you try as hard as possible. The reason with most mediocre people is they don't have a fear of being mediocre. They've listened to the matrix programming and they've been convinced that being mediocre is absolutely fine. It's fine to not be that successful. You know what? All our graves are the same size. Doesn't matter what you achieve in your life. Doop-dee-doo, dump-dee-dum. This is the slave mind. And I refuse to accept it. I do not accept that. I accept I'm an exceptional individual and I deserve an exceptional experience of the human consciousness. And that's what I'm going to fucking have. And it doesn't matter if I have to do it myself, that's fine. Cause no one else is going to do it for me. So yeah, there has to be a healthy fear. If you're if you're genuinely scared and genuinely uncomfortable in a certain situation, you're going to move. If you fall asleep on your arm and it gets uncomfortable, you'll wake your ass up and move your arm. But if you're comfortable, you're not going to. So when I see somebody who's sitting in a rut and they've been in a rut for a long time, they're obvious. Maybe, you know, a couple times a week, they're pissed off with the rut. You know, when they got a bill, they can't pay or whatever. And they'll message you going, I really need to get out. I've got to change my life, bro. But the second things aren't that bad. They're back to playing video games. So you're only uncomfortable two days a week for five days a week. You're fine being a fucking loser. And that's why you're still a loser. I, when I went, when I had no money, James, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep a single night. I couldn't sleep. Where's my money? People have Lamborghinis. I ain't got one. I can't. I couldn't tolerate the pain in my mind. People don't have that drive. If you're not afraid of being a dumbass, you're going to stay a dumbass. That, that's it. You need fear. Well, you know, Andrew, I certainly, I am sad that your dad is not here to see where, where you've gone and, and what you've done and, and accomplished. And, uh, you know, you and I have been corresponding for a long time, like well before all this stuff was happening. And, and I've been following everything you've been doing and really in, in impressed. And, and I'm so glad you, you came on the podcast. We finally, this is our first actual like conversation other than email. So I'm really glad we finally got a chance to do that. And, you know, keep on keeping on like you're, you're, you know, Again, that five to one suicide rate for for young men—it's a hard number, and I and I and I know it, and I and I feel it, and uh, uh, you know, it's an important issue to address. And I hope I I hope you keep finding ways to be unbanned. I'll I'll do it. I'll keep the message out there. And also, we need to um we need to play some games on chess. You got to tell me why I suck, bro. You got to help me with my elo because I'm. Oh I'm no problem. I'll kick. give you I'll give you chess. I'll give you an Emery Tate style chess lesson anytime. Since people Amazing. say I play like him. Amazing. Amazing. I can't wait. I'll drop you an email. We'll make that happen. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince. Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently 
at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.